This is Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. Join us as Pastor Robert teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. says in his testimony repeatedly, I went from being the chief skeptic and antagonist to the greatest proponent because I met the man who they said was dead. And he wasn't dead. He was alive. He confronted me and he changed my world. He changed me. Paul's testimony was powerful. That's why the enemy wanted him dead. The only way he could shut his mouth because Paul wasn't afraid of anything. There's nothing to fear. When you've conquered death, there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Once you're absolutely certain that when you die, it's just a promotion, nothing to fear. Death, where is your sting? In today's message from Pastor Robert, he teaches us through the life and testimony of Paul. The apostle who had been a chief skeptic had an encounter with Jesus and became fearless over death, teaching us that for those in Christ, death is nothing to fear. Christ overcame the grave. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts, chapter 26, with today's message. His love is the main thing. As we go to Him, listen, as we go to Him in prayer about the things that we wrestle with and the things that we face, the only question that really needs to be in our mind or on our lips is, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because whether it's, you know, whether we're dealing with a toothache or a brain tumor, for God, the only question is, what does he want to do? What does he intend to do? What does he want to do in this situation? Father, how do you want me to pray? What's the loving thing here? Because that's all that matters. If God wants to bring someone back from the tomb, he will. If it serves his plan, if that's the the best in that situation. Do you understand that's the only question? If that's the best in that situation, because he's promised in the word, he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. It's amazing the lengths that God went to, to bring that thief who hung on the cross next to Jesus to the place of salvation. Do you understand what I'm driving at? This man's wake-up call did not happen until he was being crucified. Wow. But God, that's fine. If that's what it took, God was willing. Look at the blessing upon that man's life that, yeah, he endured a few hours of agony and then an eternity with the one who died to make it possible for him to go to heaven. Amazing. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Guys, remember that. When you start seeing the magazine articles, you know, the newscasts that are questioning the resurrection and all of the experts talking about why the Bible is not true, just remember, Paul says in his testimony repeatedly, I went from being the chief skeptic and antagonist to the greatest proponent because I met the man who they said was dead. And he wasn't dead. He was alive. He confronted me and he changed my world. He changed me. Paul's testimony was powerful. That's why the enemy wanted him dead. 
It's the only way he could shut his mouth because Paul wasn't afraid of anything. There's nothing to fear. When you've conquered death, there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Once you're absolutely certain that when you die, it's just a promotion, nothing to fear. Nothing they can threaten you with. Nothing the enemy can use against you after that. It's, it's all downhill from there. Verse 9, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul says, I, I, I thought I was obligated to oppose the name of Jesus, to oppose Christians. Verse 10, he says, this I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Now, he's communicated a lot just in that statement. One, he was a member of that Sanhedrin, that governing body. He cast his vote, which means also, by the way, he was married because you had to be to be a member of the Sanhedrin. Well, what happened to his wife? Well, she probably dumped him. Historians agree that more than likely that's what took place. We we don't have any mention of her. We, We don't really know for sure what happened. But we know that if he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which it certainly seems from the wording of this and a couple other passages, that he was a member of that council, he had to be married to, to actually have a vote, to be a voting member of the Sanhedrin. He had to have had a wife. Chances are, when he went off following Jesus, she stayed home and said, I don't want any part of that. Verse 11, he says, And I punished them often, and every synagogue compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly enraged against him. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you've seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who were sanctified by faith in me. Guys, that's the message. That was Paul's message. It's still the message. God, he doesn't want us walking around in darkness. He wants us to have light, to to be able to see and understand what he intended from the beginning. That's a big part. It's not all, but it's a big part of, of, of what he's talking about, that darkness and light contrast. Do you realize that most of the human race, without the Spirit of God living within us, the only thing we have to go by is our human desires and our, our broken, weak, limited human intellect and emotion. Well, that's all we have. What I want is all I really care about, and that's what I'm going for. It's what drives me. If I don't have the spirit of the living God, I'm in darkness. I can't see beyond this temporal existence. But when the spirit of the living God moves in and makes his home in your mortal body, all of a sudden the light goes on, and you realize this ain't all there is. I'm going to be there a lot longer than I'm going to be here. And things that didn't make sense start to make sense because you understand there is a God in heaven who loves me so much that he was willing to become a man and die in my place just so I could have the light turned on and have relationship with him and go beyond this 
temporal realm with all of its pride and foolishness and arrogance and actually begin living for eternity. To understand that forgiveness of sins is available. You know, most of the human race is walking around under so much guilt. Never met anybody that needed to be hammered with all of the wicked stuff they've done. Because they know. They know. I knew. I knew. And I just had to set it aside, you know, for, you know, another high. Just get high. Just ignore it. You know, just kind of push it aside. Whatever, you know. But the guilt was there. The feeling of being dirty. You know, every time I closed a bar down and came out into the daylight the next morning, it just, oh, just uh, bad taste in my mouth, a hangover afterwards. Do you understand? We know. But forgiveness is available. I remember the first time I looked in my rear view mirror and saw blue lights and didn't freak out. I remember that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I've got, there's, you know, there's nothing. I almost wished he'd pull me over, you know, because there was nothing in my car that I needed to hide. There was no dope stuffed down between the seats or in the glove compartment or in the trunk. There was nothing to hide. I hadn't been drinking. I didn't have to worry about, you know, he's going to make me do the ABCs backwards. You know, I'm just, I, don't, I didn't have to worry about any of the DUI tests because I hadn't had a drop. What a freedom. What a feeling of my sins are forgiven. I've been made clean. I'm good. Not not in the sense of I'm, you know, I no longer mess up, but I just knew it's, this is wonderful. This is but not only that, he says I, there's an inheritance. Did you catch that? An inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, I mean there's boy, we could talk about that for a week. The inheritance that we have in Christ. The Bible says you've been made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Jesus himself talked about You know, the fact that you have the opportunity in this life to store up for yourself treasures in heaven that will be there for all eternity. They won't go up and down with the stock market. Do you understand? Or, you know, you know, with the value, like the real estate value, you know, I mean, there people that ended up, you know, borrowing an extra, you know, hundred thousand dollars against their house. And now that, you know, the, the value of the house is dry. You don't have to worry about that. If your treasures are in heaven, they don't go down. They don't lose value. They'll be there forever. You have an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He says in verse 19, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent That's all we have time for today. Pastor Robert has much more to teach us from the pages of God's Word on the next edition of Main Thing Radio. Before we go today, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining us in moving the Word of God forward through financially contributing to Main Thing Radio. Here's Pastor Robert to tell you more. I love that God's Word is moving through the nation and that all of us here at Main Thing Radio get to be a part of that. Producing quality editions of this program does incur costs, however, and that's where we're asking for your help generous financial support from believers like you make these broadcasts possible for donations of twenty dollars or more i'd like to say thank you by sending you a copy of my wife elizabeth's book come fill the gap 30 days in the song of solomon this isn't a self-help book rather it's a renewing of a passionate relationship with jesus through a month-long study of the pages of the song of solomon 
If you'd like to contribute to the ongoing teaching of God's Word here at Main Thing Radio, just click on the Donate button at the top right of the MainThingRadio.com webpage. Thanks, Pastor Robert, and thank you for prayerfully considering joining us in this way. Pastor Robert will continue to share God's Word with us on the next edition of Main Thing Radio.